Hello, hello, it's Jen Ladipo, aka the STEM girl, and welcome to Engineer, Engineer Your Life, where all we need is an SOP. That's our motto. You need a standard operating procedure to everything. And today we're celebrating National STEM Day, which is a day to celebrate some of the accomplishments that people who work in science, technology, engineering, and mathematics have done. And to celebrate, we have an absolutely special guest. Her name is DeAndre Wilson, and she's going to be taking us through her STEM journey, what it looked like, and she's going to be giving us sort of a standard operating procedure on how to navigate your engineering journey or your STEM journey in general. Don't go anywhere because it's going to be an awesome episode. All right, everyone, welcome to our special episode where I mentioned and promised we'd have a special guest. Her name is DeAndre Wilson Ihijerika, and she is here to tell us about her wonderful STEM journey. You know, our motto is all you need in life is an SOP. So we're going to be giving a standard operating procedure on becoming an engineer, an amazing engineer. So welcome, DeAndre. It is so wonderful to have you. Thank you, Jennifer, for having me. I really appreciate being here, and I'll try to see what I can do to help people with their SOP. Right? (laughs) That's what engineers do all the time. All engineering is is writing those procedures. So thank you for joining us, DeAndre. I wanted to start with what your engineering journey looked like. So who are you? What degree do you have? And what are you doing right now as an engineer? Um, So like you said, my name is DeAndre, um, and I was born and raised in Nassau, Bahamas. So I spent all of my elementary and high school there, um, and then moved to Canada to study chemical engineering at McGill University in Montreal. Wow. Um, Girl, you went from Bahamas all the way to Canada. It's really cold here. (laughs) It is. It really is. Let's not talk about that right now. Uh, but yeah, yeah, no, I mean, to be honest, actually, that was a bit of a, a, a shock for sure. Uh, seeing snow for the first time in Montreal and then uh, being excited for all of like 10 minutes and then being like, oh, this is too cold. Why am I here? <laughs> 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 uh, but yeah, so did my did my undergrad there, then went on to do my master's in financial engineering, wow. uh, which is kind of a subset of industrial engineering at the University of Toronto. Um, And my focus was on, um, or my research was in the Center for Management of Technology and Entrepreneurship. Um, So a little bit of an entrepreneurship focus. Wow. Um, You've had such varied um, careers. So you're a chemical engineer with a master's in financial engineering? Yep. Yeah. It's an interesting uh, pairing. But there were a few other folks that had the similar... um, Path, but not too many people study financial engineering because uh, it's um it's a subset of industrial. So I guess some people who studied industrial engineering might end up going that path. But um, yeah, it's definitely uh, an interesting pairing. It's, um, it's and funny then, you say that because I'm an industrial engineer and I've never heard of financial engineering before. Like I didn't know that was a thing even. <laughs> oh really? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's, I guess it's not a a super well known um, specialization. But, you know, it's essentially similar to a lot of what industrial engineers do, um, trying to optimize processes and trying to model 
uh, different sort of processes uh, using, you know, mathematical models or essentially looking more so at financial um, processes um, and models from the financial engineering standpoint. So some people kind of use it to look at investments. Some people look at it to better understand the operations within sort of financial um, organizations. My research was specifically looking at um, trying to predict bankruptcy of small businesses by um, leveraging data that we could pull from their various financial statements. Wow. Yeah, so trying to see if we can predict on a like a five-year horizon whether or not a company is in a position to potentially go bankrupt within the next five years. So that's what my that's what my um, master's thesis was focused in. That's incredibly impressive. I'm sure there's a bunch of small businesses that would want to talk to you. <laughs> so you've had such varying experiences. What do you do now? Like, what does your typical day look like? Or are you still working in the fields that you studied in? Um, yeah, I mean, well, so so after I, I studied uh, financial engineering, I ended up working in oil and gas. Um, and so I worked in project portfolio management there. So really trying to um, write business cases for the different projects and compare business cases across different projects within the oil sands industry to help determine which ones we should implement. Okay. Uh, so there's a bit of that chemical side, understanding the, the um, chemical projects that take place, but also sort of that financial side, working with our economics team. Uh, and from there, I kind of got into a lot more project management and like process improvement. And that led me to kind of shift when I left the oil and gas industry to do project management and process improvement in education. So I worked in educational institutions um, to do that same sort of work. Um, and now I am working with the Calgary Economic Development um, on work integrated learning and specifically to build out and map out a streamlined process for work integrated learning across the city. So working with all seven post-secondary institutions in the city to try and understand their different processes and procedures for work integrated learning and how we can create some sort of centralized uh, process as well as a centralized technology platform that will make it easier for employers to hire students for work integrated learning placements. So it's kind of a hoping to be a one-stop shop for employers that allows them to access students at all of the seven post-secondary institutions. So that's what I'm doing right now. Wow, DeAndre, you've changed the world in all these different places. Oil sands <laughs> and the monies and the education. <laughs> you have you have you've had such rich experiences. So I wanted to go back a little earlier to when you were younger because I don't know if you envisioned your typical life or your career to look like this. So when you when you were younger, what did that look like for you or what even got you interested in things like engine engineering and processes? Um, when I was younger, I guess I always had an interest in science. Um, and, you know, luckily I had parents that allowed me to foster that creativity. Um, and so, you know, um, took, I ended up taking like science-based courses and things like that. Um, there weren't really a lot of like science-based extracurriculars when I was young, not in the Bahamas, but at least in school, I was able to do that sort of stuff. Um, and then from like an extracurricular standpoint, did sports and things, but also was um, in art, actually. So it allowed me to be like creative and, you know, try out different things, which I really enjoyed. Yeah. Um, 
So I think from that perspective, um, you know, being involved in different extracurriculars, even though they weren't specifically science or STEM focused, allowed me to try out different things and be creative. And I think I really enjoyed that aspect. So when it became time for me to choose a major, um, you know, a lot of people, I guess, assumed that I would become a doctor um, (laughs) because I really enjoyed science, but I wanted to do something that could be a little bit more applied and allowed me to, you know, be a little bit more creative and like make things. And so when I was looking up options, I was like, oh, there's this thing called engineering. Um, (laughs) uh, Let's try that. And I really enjoyed chemistry. uh, So I decided to, to go for chemical engineering in particular. I like the idea of like trying to make chemical products that was something that seemed cool awesome and i think that's what i'm gonna say is our first step in our standard operating procedure deandre you said it perfectly trying different things and finding where your creativity lies and finding what you like would be our first step in trying to be an engineer would you agree deandre (laughs) yeah i definitely um think so right like you know uh, as young people for sure, trying out different things, discovering where your interests are and kind of recognizing, you know, where, where do you have a, pa- what do you have a passion for? What do you enjoy doing? Um, what are you good at? Um, and I think, yeah, you know, if you recognize that you enjoy um, science related things or math related things, or you really enjoy this, like, um, building and creating and innovating, then yeah, I think that's probably your first step at recognizing you, you might, uh, you might be able to become an engineer. Awesome. And I think that's a great segment for us to take a little break. And in the next step, we're going to be talking about our university journeys, what that looked like for you, DeAndre, some of the things you might have struggled with and just your general experience. Welcome back, everybody. We're here with DeAndre and we are talking about in university journeys, what they look like, what the experience is like, and really how to overcome those challenges and failures that do tend to come with university. So DeAndre, I'll start with what university did you, I know you had mentioned it earlier, but what can you tell us again what university you ended up going to and what that process looked like for you? Yeah, I ended up studying chemical engineering at McGill University in Montreal. Um, so, you know, I, I, when I was looking at institutions, I kind of decided that I wanted to come to Canada, not because of the cold, that was like not the, the driving factor, but just because, <laughs> um, you know, I, I kind of like the culture and the, you know, it was more affordable here for me. Um, so my siblings went to the U.S. So, um, I thought it would be interesting to come to Canada and then looking at the options in Canada, uh, you know, McGill, seemed to be an interesting option to be in Montreal and, you know, the programs that they had um, seemed to, you know, be well um, recognized internationally. So that kind of led me there. Um, and so, yeah, I ended up staying in, in dorm my, my first year as an international student. Yeah. Um, how was that experience? Yeah, it was, it was cool. Um, I enjoyed, you know, I think it was a good experience to, you know, meet other people um you know like I said as an international student I didn't know anyone kind of going in there so yeah so I made lifelong friends in my dorm um and you know a few of them we we ended up actually getting a place together after we left the dorm we ended up renting a place together so I think it was a really good experience and actually randomly met another Bahamian in my dorm as well so (laughs) I wasn't the only one from the Bahamas and it was just I guess coincidence that he was also studying studying engineering which was kind of crazy yeah 
And I think that's such an important piece when it comes to university experiences, having people to relate to and having people to have that friendship and bond with. Did you find you had any struggles in terms of schoolwork or in terms of any particular classes, just finding that community? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, engineering is a is a challenging degree. Um, so, you know, there definitely will always be um, courses that can, will be a struggle um, for folks. But I completely agree with you, Jennifer. I think the main thing is kind of finding sort of your tribe or your group uh, that can help you get through that. Um, you know, coming from the Bahamas and, um, you know, starting a degree in Canada and recognizing that I was oh, wait, I was one of the only black people in engineering <laughs> was definitely a bit of a shock for me, you know, coming from a country where I was a majority and being in a country and in a degree where I was a minority um, definitely was something to get used to. Yeah. Um, but for me, I think the big thing that got me through it was joining a number of student associations. So I joined the Caribbean Student Society, which really allowed me to have a connection back to home and just have a feeling of a safe space where, you know, I can meet with other people from the Caribbean. And then from an academic point of view, I joined the National Society of Black Engineers um, and the McGill chapter for that organization. And that really allowed me to find a sense of community within engineering itself for other black engineers and really just uh, a place where, yeah, other people who were struggling with very similar things as myself, but also I could connect with at a more personal level while we um, got through our courses together. And that was, I think, a really important factor in me um, continuing to persist through my degree. Yeah, and I think part of the, part of why that's so important is because, as you said, engineering is a struggle. There are those points where you need encouragement, you need that familiarity. And I I know you said you had that community, but how did you deal with the failures that tend to sometimes come with engineering? I know for myself, there were sometimes I saw my midterm grades and I was like, it is over for me now. <laughs> so how did you deal with some of those failures um in your program? Uh, to be honest, like it, this, the same way, like um, it, yeah, it's a bummer. And I think it's a bummer for a lot of people in engineering. Cause I, I would say probably majority of people who study engineering excelled in their like high school subjects. So yes. coming to <laughs> university and being like, Oh, I failed. What is fail? Like, what is that? Um, <laughs> um, but recognizing that you weren't the only one I think was uh, that was the biggest thing that got me through it like mm-hmm. literally had someone next to me you know I mentioned the other Bahamian um his name was Bradley uh you know we we did a lot together um Bradley was failing right next to me so <laughs> it was <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it was I mean not always in the same subjects at the same time yes, but recognizing yes. that you know everyone kind of had one of those or a couple of those courses where they just sort of bombed at um, and we, you weren't the only one, you know, maybe you were doing good in one thing, but um, someone else was struggling in the other or vice versa. Yeah. Someone might be doing well in that in a different subject, but you're struggling, but everyone kind of had those times. Yeah. And so I think that was the main thing that, you know, just made it feel like it's not just me, like I'm not the screw up. It's, um, to be honest, I mean, I can get put on my EDI hat, but it's really the institution that's uh, yes, yes. sort of um, failing us in a way by not designing some of these courses to be um, 
conducive to the workload and, uh, you know, what students, I guess, I, I feel can reasonably handle, but I won't go get, I won't get into that too, too much on this particular it, it podcast, is, but it is a very challenging program yeah. in general. It's designed yeah. to be quite challenging and the level of content that you have to learn and it's not necessarily mm-hmm. intuitive. I think what really keeps us all together is the fact that you're doing it as one. Everybody's getting those grades. And like you said, it might not be at the same time, but we've all seen that person get their mark before and just look absolutely defeated and you're you're like we know what you're going through because you really do know what you're you really do you really do (laughs) (laughs) there's definitely a community that comes out of engineering just in that perseverance it's quite the it's quite the program yeah I think what we can say some of the steps we can take out of this is first really do that research on what university you're going to where it is what kind of community you might be able to get there and making sure that they have the program that you might be actually interesting interested in it interested in (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna keep that in here and then the second piece of advice would be making sure that you find that community for yourself, no matter what program you're in, but especially in programs that are in STEM, in science, tech, engineering, math, you do need that community that can help you along in terms of content matter when you're not sure of something, but also having that community to help you overcome when the failures do arrive. So the, that, the last third piece of advice is when it comes to failures, just understand and recognize that we're all doing it together. Just keep persevering and don't give up. And DeAndre, would you add anything else in terms of university or any other steps you might want to add for that? No, I think you 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 nailed it there. That's really a big part of it, right? Finding that community, um, finding something that you're also passionate about, you know, the program that you're really interested in that encourages you to persevere and recognizing you're you're not alone in it. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you, DeAndre. And we're going to take a little break. But in the next segment, we're going to be talking about the process after graduation, what that looks like, how your career can develop. And we're going to be talking to DeAndre because she founded BrainSTEM Alliance. And we're going to be talking about some of the amazing work they do in STEM activities and STEM awareness. Don't go anywhere. All right, I am back with DeAndre, and we are going to be talking about the process of your career after graduation and pivoting into different spaces. And also, we're going to be talking to DeAndre about her organization, BrainSTEM Alliance. So DeAndre, you had a wealth of experience and education. What did that look like for you after graduation? Finding a job, was that a daunting process, or what did it look like for you as a career? Yeah, I mean, I think, again, this is probably something that a lot of folks will struggle with or might struggle with. Um, you know, when I when I was in my undergrad as an international student, I didn't really have too, too much um, work experience. I didn't do any sort of co-op or anything like that. Yeah. Um, and so when it came time to graduate, um, I did struggle with, you know, finding um, a job. Um, but what I had done in my undergrad was some undergraduate research projects. So it made me interested in research. And so that led me to do my master's degree. Um, and so I did do my master's degree, as I mentioned before, in financial engineering, focused in uh, technology and entrepreneurship. Um, and, you know, while I was 
doing my master's, I did do some other educational focused things. Um, I was a teaching assistant, which I really enjoyed. Uh, And then I also was involved in the engineering outreach program at the University of Toronto, where I did my master's and designing programs um, for youth. And I really enjoyed that as well. Um, And so, you know, between that experience and the experience that I had in my undergrad with the National Society of Black Engineers um, and the outreach I did at that point, it really um, sort of awakened this passion in me for education and for outreach as well and STEM outreach, which led me to form Brain STEM Alliance. Um, Yeah. Um, And so for those who might not be... Oh, go ahead. (laughs) I was going to say, you really found that passion for education and I think what I really like about what you said is you were able to use like what you were learning in real time to create your content and to create that learning experience for the youth so sorry keep going though about how Brain STEM Alliance came about and why that STEM awareness became so important to you. Yeah and I actually you know your what you just said is a big part of what Brain STEM Alliance is about um, and so you know I guess for those who may not be fully aware of what Brain STEM Alliance is all about it's a nonprofit organization that's primarily volunteer run by um, our what we call ambassadors and the ambassadors are STEM professionals that are working you know either in academia or in industry and who really want to give back to their community by using what, you know, they've learned in school and what they're learning currently on their job and share that back with youth and really help um, create capacity within nonprofit organizations that may not have STEM expertise. So these ambassadors bring their STEM expertise to uh, our community partners and other nonprofits to build out these STEM programs and share it with youth. So, you know, being able to combine what you're doing in your job or in your school with this education aspect is a really big part of what uh, BrainStem Alliance is, is all about. Wow. And it sounds extremely rewarding for your ambassadors and the volunteers that are involved because as engineers and scientists, mathematicians, I find that we rarely get to be in that space where we're working with youth, youth and really just directly try, trying to help them understand the things that we're experts in. So I, I guess my next question for you is when you're building these programs and this content, how are you able to put your knowledge to for, for students and how are you able to synthesize that knowledge so that a younger um, audience might be able to understand yeah and you know it's it's like I said it's not just me it's all of the ambassadors that I work with but really it's about um, allowing the ambassadors and I guess myself as I go I guess the OG ambassador <laughs> uh, <laughs> to uh <laughs> To really think about, um, from my own perspective, what drew me to the work that I'm doing? What's the interesting part about it that I would want to share with youth that could get them excited about the work that I'm doing? I think that's the main lens that I tend to take and most of the ambassadors tend to take. Like, what's really cool about my job? And I think that's a part of why it's so rewarding. It allows ambassadors to remember what's cool about their job and not focused on sometimes what's the maybe tedious parts of your job because all jobs have that but to remember what's really cool what's really innovative about it like what's the science that I'm doing um and trying to distill that in a way that can you know really be um, resonating with youth um so you know that's a big part of what we try to do 
And I, I love how you said it. It's kind of remembering the magical parts of science that you liked in the first place, right? The parts that mm-hmm. get you interested and the parts that keep you through while you're going through your university um, journey and your education journey. So last bit, we've given you steps on what to do for high school, what university looks like, some steps for how to overcome those failures and now we're just going to give a few steps on what it's like to pivot a little so deandre was able to find her passion in something that she was already doing in the science that she already liked so finding that passion in whatever it is that you're doing and finding finding a way to be creative and a way to bring awareness and show other people why you find it exciting so find that thing that you like and find a way to be creative and Tell us about it. We want to hear about what you do, about what your science is, what's cool about the math that you do, so that everybody gets a a little piece of that really cool science or STEM um, program that you're learning from. DeAndre, thank you so, so much for joining us today. Is there anything else you wanted to tell the audience or tell anyone that might be considering engineering or being part of this STEM journey? Yeah, I think, you know, what you said is so true, really finding your passion. And when you talk about pivoting as well, um, you know, Brainstem Alliance was something that I, you know, had started as volunteer run kind of on the side of me working in oil and gas. Yes. Um, and so what I would also want to say is that um, STEM doesn't have to be a linear path. You can work on other things while you're, you're, while you're studying or while you're working that can help you explore what your passions are. And yes. when you figure out how you can kind of bring those things and help and make them align, that's when you kind of really find the magic. <laughs> Awesome. Thank you so much, DeAndre, for joining us. It's been wonderful having you here. And I hope that we see Brainstem Alliance doing more things and we see more activities. And I can't wait to see what it's going to come out to. Thanks so much, Jennifer. Thank you for listening, everybody, and joining us for our most recent episode of Engineer Your Life. Thank you so much, DeAndre, for all your thoughts and ideas on what it is to be an engineer and what your journey has looked like. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Like, subscribe, and share, please, because we are going to be posting a lot more fun episodes. Thank you. Bye.